You've heard me talk about Tacovas, the company carrying on all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. Well, longtime listener Jeremy emailed me to say, Zabe, I was on a work trip to Austin, knew about Tacovas from the podcast, stopped into the store. Next thing you know, I've got a damn good pair of boots and I'm looking sharp with a nice buzz to boot. Giddy up. Tacovas believes in Western for all. And you can feel that when you stop in one of their stores and get custom fitted for a new pair of boots. If you can't make it into the store, Tacovas delivers the most premium quality and the most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T E C O V A S.com and point your toes west. And as a special opportunity for our listeners, Tacovas has said they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 at Tacovas.com. Just use promo code ZABE, that's promo code Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, at checkout. It's a $30 value, and they sell out fast. Only at Tacovas.com. Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Today on the ZabeCast, the Kelsey Bowl is set, but not without disappointment and controversy. The Eagles get a virtual forfeit by knocking out Brock Purdy. Will they be ready for the Chiefs in two weeks? Meanwhile, Kansas City buries the Burrowhead curse, but not without some serious help from the referees. Your uncensored, unfiltered 45-minute joyride of pure me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Monday, January 30th, 2023. Thank you for downloading. Let's get right to the championship games. It needs to be said before I get deep into the weeds on the finish of the Kansas City-Cincinnati game that Patrick Mahomes is an absolute alien freak. An absolute stud who played his ass off on one leg Missing two wide receivers against a very good, very creative defense and a defensive coordinator who has earned his reputation as a second-half genius. He is amazing. The Chiefs are great. Andy Reid, I think right now, has surpassed Belichick for the best current coach in the league. Uh, Belichick's detour into this whole nonsense of, hey, let's make Matt Patricia an offensive coordinator. Has he ever done offense? Nah, it's all coaching, though. How hard can it be? I think Belichick has spent a lot of capital. He's burned a lot of his reputation. So Reed is great. Kelsey is one of one. 
the Chiefs are amazing. They trade Tyreek Hill. They're going back to the Super Bowl. Mahomes is a stud there. I, I mean, you know, Jones is unbelievable. Okay, have I said enough? And by the way, Harrison Butker, money. Freezing ass cold, balls not traveling, 45 yards, and he whomped it, and it barely made it through. Serious grit on him. Second thing, I'm not going to hate covering and watching and talking about the Chiefs for the next two weeks. I don't hate the Chiefs. I don't, I don't, I don't. And there's no guarantee that the Bengals, if they went to this fakakted super long overtime where everyone gets to touch the ball not once but twice, or, well, actually, they get to touch at least once no matter if you score a touchdown or not. Who knows if the, if the Bengals would have won the game. All that said, that is not how I like my sports. I do not want games ending in that fashion whatsoever. That call was horseshit on a scale. On a scale of 1 to 10, it was a 27 in my book. And I would say the general vibe on the internet from those who are not partisans of either the Bengals or the Chiefs would agree with me 70-30 thereabouts. The best defense is the, well, he had to call it. It was clearly a personal foul. They call that all year long. He had two feet on the white chalk. La, 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 la. You got to call it in week one. I have a colleague who I love dearly, and Mike Heller, and respect, and boy, I'm glad I'm going to bed right now because I'd probably spend the next hour on Twitter going back and forth with him on this. But I'll do it tomorrow on the show on 97.3 The Game, 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 Eastern. Uh, Mountain Pacific, Hawaii, I don't know. Check your local listings. You know, Heller is of the mindset, you call that week one, you call it the start of the game, call it the end of the game. It's the right call, the right call, right call, right call. But Mike is a huge replay fan believes in replay, thinks that replay can do good in the world, believes that getting it right is so important that the game should be bastardized, which it has now been bastardized 18 million different ways to try to get it right. When the wise Steve Solomon once said to me, getting it right is overrated, I stopped in my tracks and said, what? But the more I thought about it, the more I let it rattle in my head, the more I let it marinate in it, he's right. That the getting it right is overrided, to get it absolutely right. Now, there was a lot of things replay fixed on Sunday in both games. And there was some shit that it didn't fix. There were some things it stuck its finger into, and you're like, eh, I don't know about that. The Marquez Valdez Scantling, go-go gadget arms, first down reversal. That was interesting. Uh, replay should have fixed the Devontae Smith amazing almost catch in the Eagles game, but the way the mechanics of it, well, replay didn't fail. It's the system's not right. And, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan's a moron for not challenging it when Smith gets up and starts doing the whole thing with his knuckles, like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. I think I dropped it. Yes, all that is true, but you see, that's the thing. Replay doesn't fix everything. No, no, you do not call a 15-yard make-or-break-the-difference call on an out-of-bounds play for two guys running at dead speed. I mean, this is a dead-run scramble for every precious yard in the final 10 seconds in minute 59 of an absolute knockdown, dragout, heavyweight fight in the bone-ass cold of Kansas City, Missouri. 
you don't call it there. Not on something like that, and especially not, and this is where I lost a, well, I lost a bit of respect for Mahomes, but I guess this is just how it's done. The flop. It's a flop. Flopping is a cancer on all of sports. It began in soccer and is still out of control to this day, despite their attempts to reel it in. It then spread to the NBA. It is now metastasized, like the cancer on sports that it is, to all sports, including the NFL. And that was such a flop by Mahomes. Yes, Osai put his forearm out and gave him a little bit of a push. Enough to knock him over? Not if he didn't want to be knocked over. Could have easily slowed down and been held up by the Bengals on the sideline. Instead, as soon as he felt the arm, he retracted the landing gear, fell to the ground, made sure to throw the football so it looked good. Like a yard sale, like a skier wiping out. And then flailed his arms. That can never be rewarded. Must never be rewarded. And no is not appropriate time and place and situation with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line. No, because unlike, I mean, just like all these other judgment calls, PI holding blocks in the back of which you could argue that was missed. That was missed. How come this, that, the other hell I thought on the Mahone, on the uh, burrow uh, intentional grounding, which was probably the right call. Sterator seemed to agree with it. P Ryan was kind of in the area. I'm convinced that, I think it was Jones that followed through and then put his full body weight on Burrow and shook him up. And I'm like, ah, I thought that was a point of emphasis. I thought you called that. Imagine if they had called that. If you think that they would have called that penalty on Cincinnati in Cincinnati, oh, I don't think so. The book scorecasting took a great, did a great service. It's a book called Scorecasting that decided the home, that examined home field and home court advantage in sports. And they're like, why do certain leagues, why do certain sports have a greater home field advantage than the others? And it came down to essentially human bias in the referees. The referees make human bias calls based on the reaction they get and the vibe they get from the environment that they are in, i.e. home field. You're going to get some of those calls. Then again, maybe the NFL would have called that in Cincinnati. Maybe they would have radioed down to the referees. You know, the referees can be contacted by New York in their earpiece at any time. There is a expedited review official that's supposed to help out along the way. They could have said, you better call that. They might have said, you better call that because the flag kind of came in late. It just to me... And the thing about flopping is this, it is an attempt to deceive, which goes against the core tenet of sportsmanship. It is unsportsmanlike in the highest order to try to trick the referees. And you say, well, that's part of the game. That's how you get calls. Where you been? Oh, I know. Oh, I know it works. Just like cocaine feels fucking great, but it's not good for you. Flopping may work, but it should be driven out of sports. That said, Chiefs win, Mahomes stud, great team. They trade Tyreek Hill, they reload, they had two receivers go out, um, you know. Then there is the, the redo. <laughs> Luckily, that didn't affect the game because even though they had a sixth and nine, I believe, as Paul Pabst of the Dan Patrick Show said, 
sixth and nine because they had third and nine, which would have been fourth and nine, then fifth and I, I think they had a sixth and nine, or they would have before they punted. Um, that was ridiculous as well. I, you know, and you can you can argue it from a refereeing mechanic standpoint all you want. It doesn't smell right. It doesn't feel right. And more importantly, as I tweeted, I speak for all 54-year-old men in America. I have never, ever seen a do-over like that in the National Football League. Elongation on purpose to sound important and douchey. Never seen it before. Well, you know, technically, you blew the play dead. Nobody could hear the whistle, and he did come on the field, and it, you know, it was the right call. You can argue yourself into the right call. Did it feel right? There's no way the, P, the, the roughing on Mahomes felt right. It may be technically right, but it didn't feel right. But fuck it. Harrison Butker made the kick. Guy's a stud. Maybe one of the top three kickers in the league behind the GOAT himself, Justin Tucker. So Chiefs and Eagles. The Eagles, meanwhile, played a team that ran out of quarterbacks. Literally ran out of court. We are all out of... Do you have another quarterback back there? No, we don't. There was a shot of Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo on the sidelines as things were melting down for the Niners. And Garoppolo smiled. And I'm not one of these big body language police guys, and I realize these are pro athletes that, you know, they're caught for three and a half hours on the sidelines. One brief moment. Somebody might have farted. Somebody might have made a joke. Gallows humor. I don't expect necessarily for them to be all grim-faced all the time, but fuck, is that a bad look? That's a bad look when Christian McCaffrey and Kyle Juszczyk are poring over the playbook on, all right, all right, uh, how do we run X-Smoke, Y-Tango, Jet Right, U-269, Volcano? Is that a running play or is that a passing play? And then Jimmy Garoppolo's like, <laughs> they tried to get rid of me this offseason. <laughs> Fuck you, Kyle. Okay, he's walking behind me right now. <laughs> Bet you wish you had me now, huh? Eh, yeah, yeah. Going to my Stewie voice. Yeah, yeah. Remember you tried to get rid of me in the offseason? Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Had me practicing over in a side football field. Uh, didn't want me infecting the rest of the team, did you? Oh, <laughs> oh you would have given your left eyeball for one little quarter of Jimmy Garoppolo. Purdy may have a torn UCL. Ulnar collateral ligament. That means Tommy John surgery. That means a full year. That means Purdy mania could be put on hold. If that's the case, my God, what a dagger. What I mean, what a heartbreak that would be for one of the best stories of the NFL. And the Eagles are a very good team. Very good team. Uh, Jalen Hurts, total Mad respect for him. Somebody pointed out, hey, remember, this is the guy who was benched at halftime of the national championship game by Nick Saban and had to watch a freshman in Tua Tungavailoa come in and win the whole thing and to be a good teammate about it and to absorb it and to move forward. Not a first-round pick when some thought maybe he should have been. And then not, you know, sort of a bit of a project in Philadelphia. got better and better and better and better. That guy is a great example of everything that's right about sports, and I respect that. I don't like him, though. He's a fucking eagle. I don't like the Eagles team. I don't like their fans who are savages, except for a couple of fans who are my friends, Nathan Nye. What's up, buddy? 
happy for him and his kids, sort of. And Scott Lynn, I'm happy for him. Although, he, who's he going to celebrate it with, Scott Lynn? I'll talk to him this week. Like, you know, you, son one is a giant fan. Son number two is like so many kids today. He's a fan of whoever's on his fantasy team. He's a fan of whoever made the latest best catch in the league. He's a fan of whatever jersey he asked for for Hanukkah or Christmas. <laughs> so poor Scott, you know, Eagles go to the Super Bowl. And he's in his own house like, yay, where are my boys? <laughs> Not rooting for you. <laughs> Root for other teams. Oh, well. Anyway, um, at least the second game was great. It was a great game. Great game. And I thought the Bengals were dead in the fucking water. Uh, after the uh, pick, well, they, they were dead in the end, but uh, I thought the Chiefs had them buried after the pick. They were down 13-3, I believe it was, and first and 10 at 30, and they just they dropped anchor and they held them in. It's a good team. It's a good team. Four good teams. Too bad the Niners didn't have a real quarterback. It might have been a difference. Now, here's the thing. People said this is why the NFL's got to get rid of this only two active quarterbacks on Championship Sunday. Yes, absolutely, because that's a dumbass rule. It's like, why? <laughs> why would you not? Well, you know, if you're down to your third guy, you're kind of screwed. Well, I don't know. The problem with the Niners is uh, they were already on QB4. And Josh Johnson, who, bless his heart, <laughs> as they say, down south, bless his heart. He's been on, I'm not lying, like 16 different teams, including teams on now defunct international leagues <laughs> and they're already down to QB four. They sign him as late as December 4th. There was nobody else you could get to play the position. And that's the difference. That is the Delta, as they say, between the apex predator, Patrick Mahomes, the magic biracial unicorn with the, uh, with the tuft of hair and the froggy voice and the kind of annoying wife. Bless her heart, too. And the bottom of the NFL barrel, which is uh, Josh Johnson's around. If you want him, go ahead. Anyway, Super Bowl in two weeks. I will be there covering it. I will do the Radio Row thing. I'll try to get some decent interviews. Not too many here for the podcast. If I get somebody good, we'll see. I'm due to play some golf while I'm out there as well. So there's that. And I'm going to the uh, 16th hole at the Waste Management. Now let's get on with the rest of today's podcast. Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. If 2024 is the year you're jetting off to a new country or even just want to expand your language skills beyond English, then I urge you to check out Rosetta Stone today. 
Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program for over 30 years. Why? Because it works. Instead of drilling vocabulary words, with Rosetta Stone, you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals, reading stories, participating in dialogues, and other practical language skills that fast track your ability to communicate fluently. Not only is it a more effective way to learn, it's more fun. Rosetta Stone's advanced voice recognition technology gives you feedback on how well you pronounce words. Other language learning apps use speech recognition to detect what you said. Rosetta Stone tells you how well you said it. Rosetta Stone offers 25 languages with lessons available on your computer, phone, or tablet. And with a lifetime membership, you get forever access to all the lessons for all the languages and never pay a renewal fee. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, ZabeCast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. In other news from over the weekend... LeBron James did not get a foul call. A tantrum ensued. This at the end of the Celtics-Lakers game on Saturday night. LeBron James tie game, 105-105, driving to the rim, literally gets within two feet of the cup, or the tin, as Bill Raftery would say, and a layup just goes, (laughs) barely gets above rim level, falls harmlessly off the side of the backboard. And LeBron James instantly goes into a tantrum because he was fouled. Clear as day. It raises a lot of questions. And I sent this out on Twitter. I also sent it out to the four most basketball savvy people in my Rolodex. That would be Steve Buckhans, longtime former play-by-play man for the Washington Wizards. Chris Naki, current color analyst for Maryland basketball and former Division I coach himself. Kevin Sheehan, who is a complete basketball psychopath. And Ronald Thomas of the Capital Golf Gang, who, of course, grew up in Indiana, worships Indiana basketball, knows basketball, plays basketball, refereed himself. And I said, explain this to me. This is a high school level call. You're trained as a referee on a play like this, end of the game, as a player is going up to the rim to try to make a shot to focus in on the action right where the ball is. If a guy's going to go to contest, you better make sure you know if he got ball or arm. So that's number one. Number two is that it's LeBron James, for God's sakes. You're telling me LeBron James doesn't deserve a little bit of the benefit of the doubt of a call, especially even a delayed call, you're like, okay, hold on a second. That ball didn't even come close to going in. It could not have been a clean block. It had to have been a foul. Thirdly, the N1 that tied it at the other end was extremely ticky-tack and didn't even affect the layup that helped tie the game. So, how does this call get missed is what I asked. And I got a variety of interesting answers, including Ron, who just blasted the ref saying, look, this is the main problem with 
NBA refereeing is that they just love calling the and one. And I think they also hear LeBron bitching from the opening tip to the final whistle every single night. So no, they're actually not going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Buckhant said, I didn't see the whole game, which matters because it depends on the context of what's happened before. But looking at the play, it was a clear foul. I can't say why it wasn't called. Either one or all three of them missed it, or, and this seems more likely to me, officials don't want to make the call at the end of the game. But why? (laughs) That's the dumbest thing ever. I'm not going to make a call because I don't want to decide the game. Given that was LeBron, I'm surprised because he usually gets those calls. Nonetheless, if an official saw that play, I can't truly explain why the foul was called. I also added the fact that Patrick Beverly grabbed some Photog's DSLR that had a clear shot of the foul and then made sure to put it on play and brought it over to the ref and showed it like, hey, look, you might want to see this. And the referee, bang, teed him up. I said, that is what's wrong. That's everything with what's wrong with NBA officiating. Show me in the rule book where you're, it's, it's illegal to show the referee a camera and a photo. The ref could have just said, nah, I'm not looking at it. Or, okay, that's enough. Bang, technical foul. Didn't really matter. One free throw, start of overtime. Didn't really matter. Oh, by the way, Celtics won. There's a lot of other explanations in there, but I just found it fascinating. I, I don't even like LeBron per se, although I recognize the fact that he has probably got the best total resume in all of basketball. He's not, to me, the most compelling great player ever. That would be one Michael Jeffrey Jordan, but that's my flavor. I'm 54 years old. Of course, I'm going to be a Jordan guy. So why didn't he get the call? And yeah, I know the tantrum was on brand. It's annoying. Jordan never did it. It's why you hate the NBA because the guys like LeBron complaining about every call. He's a flopper. He's a whiner. He makes up stories. He's a liar. Should have gotten the call, though. Max Homa wins on the PGA Tour at Torrey Pines. If you tuned in Sunday and said, all right, got some golf on one TV. I got the football on the other. Where's the golf? Where is the golf? The golf was not there because the PGA Tour now for several years, like the third year running, I believe they've moved out of the way of the NFL on Sunday on this round of the postseason. They've like said, we're getting out of the way. They also got out of the way of the NFL with their entire schedule where they now wrap up the FedEx Cup before Lord Football once again ascends to his traditional autumnal throne. I think it's a great idea. Now, coming up, the NFL and golf will share a day, which is Super Bowl Sunday. But then again, the Super Bowl really is at night anyway with a 6.30-ish Eastern time tip or kickoff. And the Waste Management Open, which I am going to for the first time. Oh, man, I I got a couple of good connections. I can't thank these folks enough. For everyone who reached out to me when I said, and put a a wet worm and a bobber out there and the big sea of potential hookups. Um, I got a lot of thank yous to give, but for everyone who reached out one way or the other, I appreciate it. So I've got a hookup to 16, the legendary 16th hole on Thursday, and I cannot wait. 
that's a bucket list thing. I can't wait to experience it. Now, um, Sunday is when you know the, the tour is going to be in the morning and it's going to be the waste management. Hopefully there's a good leaderboard. And then we give way to the Super Bowl. Some have said that the PGA Tour should get away from that day as well. I'm not so sure. I like the way this tradition is shaping up where that Sunday you get the most raucous event on tour and then at night you get the football game. But anyway, back to the uh, to the golf. So Max Homo wins. He has now won four times in the last 20 months or something like that. I wouldn't say he's red hot. He's not as hot as John Rahm. He's not as good as John Rahm, but he's getting really fucking good. And this is a guy who was struggling to make a cut for his first, I don't know how many years on tour, was in danger of losing his playing card. And he's a guy who has engaged actively on social media in the most normal, humble, and not asshole-ish way of any golfer out there. And it's made him the people's champ. It's made him the most popular guy amongst the golf internet circles and just seems like a nice guy. Seems like we don't know any of these guys that are athletes, but seems like a super nice guy. Anyway, he, uh, he had a great Sunday, um, finished strong. (laughs) The leader after three rounds was none other than, um, Sam Ryder who, (laughs) who walked out, played his final round in these pink or were they chartreuse, joggers with at least four inches of ankle showing (laughs) just a ridiculous look with ankle socks underneath it so bad that even Phil Mickelson said you know the PGA Tour won't allow us to wear shorts like we can on the live tour but how is this even permissible sort of a tongue-in-cheek tut-tut well somebody dropped a picture of Mickelson back when he was pimping those mizzen and main work golf shirts, the long sleeve, but flexible and comfortable shirts. So comfortable. It's a button down work shirt, but you can play golf in it. And they're like, I'm just going to leave this right here, Phil. I think uh, Sam Ryder looked idiotic in those joggers. I think it had they been normal hemmed, you know, pant bottoms. Okay. That's fine. I also think tour pros wearing Shorts looks ridiculous. I don't know why so many of them are hell-bent to do it. To me, pro golfers wearing full pants all the time, whenever you saw them, and I never saw Nicholas wear shorts until he was long retired. That's the look of a pro. You're like, oh, I must be a pro. You go to your local muni, and if you're in a decent shape, and you got a decent set of clubs, and you go wearing pants and a nice shirt, people might go, is that, is that a pro? I don't know why the players seem so obsessed about it, but oh well, they seem to. DeMar Hamlin has appeared. He is alive. Oh, you truthers, you got to feel stupid now. If those people who really seem to believe it or were pushing the grand conspiracy, if they're capable of feeling stupid, then I guess they do. They won't admit it though, that's for sure. I said, you know, The only thing I know for sure is that was DeMar Hamlin. I don't know why all the camera angles were so coy. I don't know why he seemed to go out of his way to avoid any sort of face-to-face. But then I read some guy saying, hey, look, we don't know what condition he is in. I also said he might have been shopping for a paid interview with some outlet. And maybe he did that. And maybe the offers weren't very good. So Sunday, through the Bills' official 
social media, DeMar Hamlin dropped a five-minute Q&A interview in which he looked great for a guy who's just had a heart attack and a near-death experience. Did he look great overall? No, not exactly. He kind of, as I watched it, I kind of honed in to see, all right, is that a little bit of a twitch? Is there any facial paralysis he's working on? How does his breath sound? He looks good. I'm happy. I'm overjoyed. He's on the road to recovery. But I think now seeing him, my belief is he wasn't really in the state to want to talk a week ago. Or was it two weeks ago? The weeks seemed to fly by. No, it was only a week ago. Yeah, a week ago. And I think he wanted to put to rest all the nonsense. So good for DeMar Hamlin. Speaking of videos, the Paul Pelosi attacker video was finally released, the body cam footage. And it looks weird. It's horrific. It's awful. But it also illustrates one important thing we should all remember going forward. The initial information on any big news story is always the worst, the least accurate, and most subject to change. Even if it's an official police report, because the police report said, erroneously as it turns out, Police arrived to the residence and both men were in their underwear, quote unquote. Eh. This drugged up psychopath, the pape, was in shorts with sneakers on, not underwear. Paul Pelosi was in his underwear, but also had a dress shirt on. He also had a cocktail in his left hand. It did look strange. The other part of the police report said that once the door was opened, that Pelosi backed up, backed towards his attacker, and that was not true either. He actually took a step forward in order to try to come closer to the police. Didn't just blurt out, oh my God, I'm being attacked or held hostage. He was, I think he was trying to keep calm in a very tense, chaotic situation. And maybe he had convinced his attacker, who wanted to kill his wife, Nancy, just sit tight. She's going to be home in a little bit. Can I get you a drink? And maybe that diffused the situation. Maybe that's why he had a drink in his hand. Why was he wearing a dress shirt? I don't know. He's an old man. Could have been the first thing he was able to put on in the middle of the night. It turned out that basically the story was the story. It just, there were several key parts wrong. And there are still some people clinging to, I don't know, it still seems strange though. And so, what are you saying? A drugged up hippie psychopath who wanted to kill Nancy Pelosi, broke into her house and could have done some real damage. Why didn't he have a gun? What kind of a guy wants to kill someone to have a gun? Or a knife at least. Because he's a drugged up dummy. I mean, sometimes just think like the most obvious thing is actually the one that's correct. And then there's the video of the Memphis cops. I don't have a whole lot to add on this other than that it's horrifying. And I hope that justice is swift and merciless for these cops and for all cops who engage in outrageous, egregious, criminal, inhumane acts. Does it deserve the death penalty? It's too early for me to say that, but I'm glad they've been charged. I'm glad they have been fired. 
No, you should not get beaten to death for running from the cops. However, running from the cops and struggling, you're playing with fire. And the two things are not mutually exclusive. You can't just say, well, I'm only going to believe in one and I'm not going to believe in the other. You have to believe in both. You have to believe in, yes, there's shitty cops who are going to do things that will shock you, that are inhumane, and at the same time, for fuck's sake, because those rogue cops exist in the world, yes, sir, comply. And you'll have your day in court. You'll be arrested. You're not getting away from them. It's not victim blaming to say that. It's just reality speaking. Oh, and the cops apparently, they have been recent hires as of 2020 because the Memphis Police Department struggling for men and women willing to put their lives on the line uh, to keep order in the city have had to lower their standards to the point where they don't require nearly as many hours of college education or course credits to be able to apply. And other standards are being lowered as well, including standards for physical fitness, which I think you could tell if you watch the video of the (laughs) running after the guy. (laughs) Of course, there's so much equipment on a cop. (laughs) You put anybody with that belt on and the gun and everything else and the bulletproof vest, see how far you get chasing a guy. But it's a terrible deal. Is it racism? Some have said yes, it's still racism. White supremacy still is a factor in this. Even though the five cops were black, subject was black, police chief is black, city council's majority black, it's still racism. Okay. Uh, how do you even argue with that? But whatever. I do know this. The predictable effect, as many of us had said, which was you demonize the cops enough, you make it hard enough for them to do their job by microanalyzing otherwise routine stops and or arrests. You keep charging cops in fatal or near fatal interactions with the public that don't warrant it. It's going to have one effect and one effect only. That's going to drive out the good cops and the better cops are going to say, shit, I, I've got options in life. I don't need this. And you're going to be left with more of the bad ones. How do you reverse that? I don't know. I don't have any answers, but very sad situation. Stetson Bennett arrested for public intoxication in Dallas Sunday. Was seen knocking on doors, hammered, 6 a.m., trying to get in, go to bed somewhere. Moron. Misdemeanor. Boo. Bad. I wouldn't draft him because of that. Well... We'll see about that. I want it read into the record lest anyone say, how come you don't make a big deal about that? I'm making a deal about it. I think I'm making the appropriate deal about that. If the details get worse, which again, just hearing the first details, I can adjust accordingly. Then there's the Aaron Rodgers stuff that has come out over the weekend, which is Adam Shifty Schefter saying, The Packers have let it be known that they would prefer at this point to trade Aaron Rodgers and get out of that current situation given the age, salary cap, and everything else. Well, no shit. Because Adam Schefter is a conduit for various entities in the league who whisper in his ear, and they know he's going to go out and tweet it, he's going to say it on ESPN, and therefore it's going to get into the bloodstream. So this process, the long, tortured process of you know, it's not, it's not you. It's, it's me. 
It, it really is, Aaron. I, you know, you're great. I mean, you, I'm telling you, you're probably gonna have the best year ever. And boy, are we gonna look stupid once we trade you? But it's 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 not you. It's it's us. It's me. And Rogers is gonna have to play the same dance because neither side wants to be seen as the quote bad guy in this. But it's over, and it's happening, and it's already begun. Novak Djokovic, your winner at the Aussie Open. Beautiful. This after holding on to his principal and principles, I should say, and not playing in last year's event because of Australia's idiotic vaccine requirements, waits him out, waits till it's lifted, goes back, wins the fucking thing. And he wins it with (laughs) Bill Gates in attendance. Oh, that is beautiful. Now, the only thing I wished, and I think this is not the way Joker rolls, but I wish that he had accepted the trophy, got on the mic and said something to the effect of, you know what, to the fans here, it's been great to play in front of you again. I love the people of this country. Too bad your idiotic leaders have no idea what they're doing. You deserve better on this. And I hope that someday you end up with a more enlightened leadership about freedom, individual rights, and not panicking in the future. Thank you. (sighs) Of course, he might have gotten booed because I'm sure a number of Australians think their government's doing a great job with COVID and vaccines and vaccine mandates and everything else. But man, if they, if, if, what if Djokovic had said, you know what? I'm going to cut loose. I got a mic. I just won. What are you going to do? Cut the mic off? If they were to cut the mic off as he went on a 60-second tear, trashing the politicians of Australia, he would have just made them prove his point. Oh, can't take a tennis player speaking his mind, huh? A little bit sensitive, are you? Okay. And you know there'd be some politicians saying, we've got to ban him forever. He can never come back. He criticized the government. I wish he had done that, but that's not his style. So I get it. And then let's end on a happy note. Headline, man crushed by retracting urinal in London. How is that? Sorry, I I must have wrote that down wrong. Not a happy note. Oh, that's it. Let's end on something that is not a happy note. I saw the story. I said, hmm. Crushed by a urinal, retracting urinal. What? Well, it turns out that in London, they have urinals installed beneath street level in the city that pop up almost like a sprinkler head on a golf course at night. And they have two or maybe three little semi shielded piss holes that. Drunks can go up to, and then nobody's going to see their pee-pee in their hands as they pee down a predetermined little hole to collect their pee-pee and keep the city from being completely intolerable. And then during the day, when there's not as many people pissed drunk, they retract down into the street level. Apparently, the worker was underneath working on the hydraulics of that, and something went wrong, and he got 
crushed to death. That that is <laughs> that is horrible, horrible way to die. That said, I think the idea is genius. Only I would not have them retract. Just have these little discreet pee holes in these little phone booth sized circular deals with two or three stations in them and let us men who sometimes have to go sometimes us men in, you know, of a certain age we got to go more and more these days let us go when we can go where we can go and nobody needs to look at us we're over here at this pop-up urinal but the whole the hydraulics and the up uh, how come nobody said what happens when somebody's foot or leg, or head, or whole body gets caught there, and the thing retract. retracts. Looks like a death trap to me. And in this case, it was. All right, that's a wrap for today. Thank you so much for listening and downloading. As always, feedback welcome at zabe at yahoo.com. And of course, I like to read and respond to everyone's email, but sometimes I get caught up and I might not respond in a while. But send them my way. Subscribe, rate, and review. It helps the algorithmic overlords. And of course, if this little bit of ear entertainment was interesting to you, tell a friend. Say, hey, here's a podcast you might like. It's sports, it's life, it's urinal talk. It's a lot of stuff all wrapped up into one. Have a great Monday, everybody, and we will see you next time. Make March Madness a moneymaker with MyBookie. Getting started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use promo code ZABE to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Bracket Contest for a chance at the big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of moolah. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and simple to win and simple to get paid, like MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.